Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, previewing the Cal University of Washington football game, which slated for kickoff at 7.30, which usually means somewhere between 7.35, 7.40. A lot of people calling this the revenge game. I don't think the coaches call it that. The players don't call it that. But I don't think there's any doubt the players are thinking about what happened last year. Your opinion on that, Chris? Well, right. I mean, they'll say all the right things publicly. And and the the matter the, the fact of the matter is is that once the game starts, it, it's the, all that stuff kind of gets thrown out the window, anyways. I mean, you're talking about one series in now. All of a, now all of a sudden, you're just playing another game again, and so yeah, at this point, you know, you hear some of the stuff that Evan Weaver talked about in terms of having Cal having a better culture and how they're going to come up here and just win because that's what they do. Well, that's I'm sure that's all well and good, but. Uh, you know, the other team in purple and gold is going to have something to say about that, I'm sure. I think there's a little bit more focus this week, knowing that what happened last week and maybe the focus wasn't there. It could have been also missing Miles Gaskin being a road game. But, Scott, I anticipate them being ready with a night game, knowing this is the conference game. I expect Husky Stadium to be loud as well. Yeah, I would expect Washington's defense to play just as well, if not better, than they played last season. I, I think that you're going to see them try and get a little bit more pressure on Chase Garbers back there and all that kind of stuff. But really, this is going to come down to Washington's offense being able to move the ball against Cal's defense, which is really good. And, you know, Bush Hamden t- uh, earlier this week, he said, I, we, I've been watching that game almost every day since that game was completed and he said i just really wanted to see what we did right what we did wrong go over it and try and fix that that aspect of it and he feels pretty good about where things stand but obviously we won't know until uh, they take the field a lot of national publications are listing uh, cal secondary is the best in the country but uh you know, is that kind of maybe a little bit of a hyperbole is cal's defensive secondary really that good yeah, I I think it is. I think I don't know if it's the number one in the country, but I'd say it's top, top two or three. Yeah, a lot of experience back, talent, ball hawking skills. I I really do think it's one of the best in the country. Yeah, they, you look at Cameron Bynum and Ashton Davis. You know, those guys are very very experienced players. Jalen Hawkins. I mean, you're you're talking about two juniors and two seniors back there. You're talking about a, a secondary Kim that was just as experienced as Washington's was last year. So I think uh, they're every bit as touted as they should be. And again, remember, Washington threw for 159 yards last year and two interceptions. And we know how big at least one of those was in terms of the Weaver pick six. So again, they're, they're definitely to be feared. Um, well, I don't know about feared, but they certainly should be respected. Uh, I, I'm sure Washington won't fear anybody in terms of what they're capable of doing, but they've got they've got a big task ahead of them. You take a look at that Cal defensive staff, and they've got um, you know Gerald Alexander who was on the Washington staff for a while. They've got Peter Sermon who was on the Washington staff for a while. Um, Tim DeRuiter is a really good defensive coordinator. There's a lot of talent on that staff over there, and it's not surprising Cal's defense as good as they are. And then you throw in Justin Wilcox, who was a big-time defensive coordinator as well, and I'm sure he's spending a lot of time on that defense as well. Yeah, they, I mean, you've got – I mean – just listing to you know their their defensive line goes senior 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 junior, their linebackers are junior senior junior, and then they 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 show a nickel package in terms of their depth as well. 
and you're talking senior, senior, junior, senior. They literally don't have any underclassmen starting for them on defense. This is an is an experience to this group as you will find. And again, like you said, starting with Tim DeRuiter, Gerald mm-hmm. Alexander, all those defensive coaches, Peter Sermon. There, I mean, these guys are really, really good. And the, you know, again, I think some people maybe you know tapping the brakes a little bit because of what happened with UC Davis and and all that. I think that has a little bit more to do with Cal's offense than Cal's defense. I think Cal's defense is certainly going to be right up there, and they may not necessarily be in in midseason form right now, but uh, you know they're, they'll come up to speed real quick. You take a look at what Washington did last week against Eastern, and I think all of us maybe thought that Washington wouldn't open up the playbook a lot. I thought that they opened it up quite a bit more than we anticipated. That's why I think it's intriguing to see how much different it's going to be this week, Scott. Yeah, I, I'll i be a little interested to see if they run a lot of long developing plays where uh, Easton has to sit back there. Cal's pass rush is okay. It's not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. And um, so I'll, I'll kind of be interested to watch that. What I what I expect early on, at least, is for Washington to try and go maybe with some quick hitting routes, uh, throwing the ball, running the ball a little bit, trying to get the ball into the hands of of uh, Savon Ahmed maybe out in some space, maybe have him run routes a little more than he did last week and um, get the ball into his hands a little bit more, see if they can get an explosive play out of him. I bet we bet you we see Richard Newton a lot more than we even saw him this past weekend. So, um, yeah, offensively, I think Washington is going to, to do some things early on and then kind of see how Cal is playing it and make adjustments as to what they end up doing. A couple of things. I, oh, I was going to say, Kim, real quick, a couple of things I would add to that. Um, if people remember, one of the most successful plays that Washington had at Cal last year was that wheel route to Sean McGrew that went for like 40 yards. So, if they can get the running backs, like like Scott said, if they can get them in space a little bit and they can get them lined up against an Evan Weaver or one of those outside linebackers like a Tevin Paul, Cameron Good, one of those guys, you know, that's an opportunity to get some guys in space against bigger guys that they can get around and they can get past. So that's an opportunity. I thought it was also really interesting in your interview with Jackson Moore from Bear Territory. I thought he laid out pretty well the deficiencies that Cal has along the defensive line, which I thought was kind of interesting, and, and it might be something that uh, Washington fans should certainly look at when you're talking about the battle in the trenches to see if Washington can get a running game established early. Because if they can do that, then that could certainly open up a lot of things for, uh, for Jacob Beeson in that passing game. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Well, I thought what was really interesting with Jacob Eason, what we saw at Eastern, was that uh, his first read was definitely downfield. It looked like that quite a bit. And if that first read wasn't there, he was quickly looking for that dump down. And you think of a dump down as a short gain. But on the dump downs, he was still getting some pre- pretty decent yardage out of the uh, out of the sh- you know the dump downs and the secondary passes. When you're getting six and seven yards on a dump down on first down, you take that all day long. 
Well, when you can yeah, get when you can get rid of the ball the way he does, I mean, the ball can get out of his hand inside of a second once he gets it. That's just too quick for defensive backs and and the 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 defensive players out in space and out on the edges to be able to to react quick enough. And as long as everybody is on the same page offensively and those guys out in space are looking for those passes right away, you know Eason's going to get them there as fast as anybody in college football. And once that happens, like you said, Kim, that's a guaranteed four to five yards, probably more like six or seven yards every play. And that and that's where, in some ways, this offense. It has some air raid type elements to it because those are things that you would see in a in a Mike Leach style offense, for instance. Scott, yeah, I I just you know you you referenced the the short and medium passes and and things like that and the dump offs. Those are basically just like long handoffs. You know, uh, Chris made a great point when we were watching the game up in the press box when he threw some of those quick hitch routes. If Washington can get five yards on that, that's you'll take that every day, and and I think that's what Washington's going to kind of do. Now, I watched the Dave, the Cal Davis, uh, the UC Davis and Cal game, and I saw Cal trying to do that same thing on on. Uh, I'm sorry, I saw UC Davis trying to do that on Cal, and Cal just came up and was real aggressive. So it wouldn't surprise me if Washington fakes a hitch and then runs something behind it because. The Cal secondary is so aggressive, and and that wouldn't be a surprise to me at all. Chris, you mentioned the air raid and offense taking on some concepts of that, but we've been hearing, you know, during the off season, starting in January, that the coaches were visiting some other schools, talking to other coaches, and wanted to incorporate some of those air raid concepts. Are we going to see more of that on Saturday? Well, I think as Scott said, if you can look at those as like long handoffs and those passes to you know as far away on the sidelines as possible, and really stretch the field out and get your playmakers in space, that's something that you got to take advantage of. And like Scott said as well, and I'm and I referenced that wheel route to Sean McGrew against Cal last year. If they are if if the Cal defensive backs are coming up and being aggressive and trying to bump and really trying to disrupt. The, the routes, the timing of what Washington's trying to do out wide, getting around them and getting past them is a great antidote for that. You know, to, just to be able to, because if they can complete a couple long plays, you'll be amazed how much that softens everything up for what they want to do closer to the line of scrimmage. And Scott, one of the things that, you know, we're able to notice real quick, especially against Eastern, was when Eason's able to get the ball out wide quickly um the ball just gets there so much faster and the receivers have or the running backs whoever's catching the ball has an additional step step and a half to make a move but also hunter bryan out there clearing out that side went those quick outs he's just an intimidating road grader out there yeah and and kate otten was also out there a little bit too and and it'll be interesting to see if devin culp uh, coming off of his one-game suspension, if he ends up having uh, that kind of an impact out there, yeah, Washington's tight ends really block pretty well, especially in th- uh, for things like that. Austin Osborne is a guy who I think could be a guy like that too, who could be a really good blocker for one of the smaller guys like Chico or Trey Lowe whenever he gets healthy. Um, even Terrell Bynum, guys who are really good with the ball in their hands once uh, they catch some of those short passes. We were only able to see five practices in the fall, but that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is, you know, in this game is taking a look at 
what other guys are going to be incorporated in the offense? You know, where we mentioned that we may see more of uh, Richard Newton. He could be more of a factor. Kamari Pleasant might be more of a factor. But one of the guys that I think could become more of a factor, he was out of the field, but I don't think he had any targets. And that's Puka Nakua. Yeah, I I would love to see Puka Nakua get get some. I, that was a guy I said Austin Osborne. I think Puka Nakua could also be a really good blocker out there. But as far as targeting, yeah, I'd like to see two or three targets thrown his way. See what he can do once he gets down the field. But those quick outs that he was uh, throwing and that Washington has in their game plan, what that's doing is opening it up for the tight ends. And if you can get back a Devin Culp and, you know, Kate Otten and Hunter Bryant, it could open up that middle quite a bit as well, where every play may not be necessarily just that play, but setting up for the next play as well. It's, it's certainly one of the benefits to spreading everything out as wide as they are, that you have the whole field to work with now. And as long as, and, and this is also the beautiful part about Jacob Eason's arm talent, that if for some reason he has to go to a second or third read, he can make up for that lack of, uh, of kind of missing time and, and allowing the defenders to now all of a sudden start to lock on on those receivers. He can still fit them into those tighter windows and find the receivers who have found little pockets and little holes in those zones because he can zip it right in and now all you have to do is just make sure that the uh, the receivers are ready to handle a, a hot pass because you know it's coming and chris you mentioned earlier with uh, jackson moore from the cal site talking about the deficiencies in cal's defensive line washington has one of the best offensive lines in the country not only i think they've got the best in the pac-12 but the best in the is well is one of the best in the country i think the run game and that offensive line is going to be key in this because i think we know what we can get out of jacob eason but that ball control is going to be key well i know washington fans weren't necessarily enamored with how savon Ahmed did or sean mcgrew or those guys you know i think to be honest with you you know getting a guy like richard newton right out there and scoring on that on the on his first touch as a husky was fantastic it's a great storyline clearly there's so much to like about what he brings to that running back room but don't discount what Savon Ahmed and Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant can bring to that room in terms of their experience pass protection just knowing where to be how to check things how to make sure that they're at the right place at the right time these are things that Richard Newton is still going to learn as well as the true freshman Cameron Davis so just those even though they didn't necessarily break out and have monster games against Eastern Washington doesn't mean they can't come back against Cal and take advantage of that offensive line and do some damage at the line of scrimmage and frankly they're going to have to do it because that secondary is so good they can cheat up and really try to take the passing game away the quick passing game away from Washington one of the ways that they can that Washington can counteract that is just to pound the ball and just get those get the chains moving you know just keep the drives going because one of the things that I think is the huge key to the game Kim is the fact that Washington was so poor on third down. They were 4 of 13 last year. And if you look at Cal offensively against UC Davis, I, I want to say they were like 4 of 14 or 4 of 15, something like that. I mean, both teams really right. need to win third down. I think that's going to be a huge key to the game on Saturday. And Scott, we talked about you know maybe they didn't open up the playbook all the way against Eastern. What do you think they, they're hiding? What do you think they have in their hip pocket coming out this week against Cal? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if you see a trick play here or there, uh, take advantage of Cal's 
uh, overly aggressive defense, especially the secondary, who they really trust a lot. And, and uh, maybe they run a couple double routes or or maybe they run a double pass like they really like to do and, and have uh, Hunter Bryan or one of the other tight ends run behind that. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I just I've always been a guy who prefers straight up offense and straight up defense and, and just see who's better and coach better and everything like that. So um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see a trick play here or there from the from the Huskies. Joel Whitford. Eh, I don't think so. <laughs> Peterson does not like that kind of stuff. Uh, when we talk about Cal, as much as good as their defense is, their offense has struggled. Bo Baldwin, the uh, former head coach at Eastern, is the offensive coordinator. We talked to Jackson Moore yesterday and asked him if Bo Baldwin was indeed on the hot seat, and uh, he said he could be, and uh, their offense is just terrible. Is it a matter of coaching, or is it a matter of talent? Boy, they just don't have the quarterbacks, and you know they've got Chase Garbers there this year. Is, is your redshirt sophomore, Scott? Yes, redshirt sophomore. Third year in the program, so it'll be interesting to see what we what they've got in Chase Garbers, but their offense, Chris, not good. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, they did have a running back that went for over 200 yards against UC Davis, so that's not exactly chopped liver. Uh, 39, Chris, Chris 39 Brown, carries. 30, 36 carries, actually. But either way, I mean, yeah, they leaned on him. I mean, they, they kind of took a playbook out of the, the Miles Gaskin school of, of running, which is, you know, t- give it to the guy who's who's being productive and keep giving it to the guy until the defense stops him. And UC Davis didn't stop him, and in fact – I think uh, he got a large chunk of that 200 yards plus in the fourth quarter uh, when he had really kind of worn them down. So Chris Brown is a guy that they're going to have to deal with. And I think another big key to this game, besides winning the battle of third down, is to take Chris Brown as much out of the game as possible and really put the game on Chase Garber's shoulder. Make him win the game for Cal. Make him throw the ball downfield. Make him win with passes to guys like Nikio, uh, Nico Romijo and Kikoa Crawford and some of those guys. I mean, guys that have shown that they can catch passes down right. the field, but they're going to have to do it against a very good Washington secondary who, again, is on the hunt for turnovers because they didn't have any against Eastern, and I think they're out for blood when it comes to turnovers on Saturday. Well, there again, I think you're going to see um, Cal try to squeeze the clock by keeping uh, ball control offense and playing good defense. That's what I'm anticipating happening, Scott. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's any question that that's the way they're going to run it. They know that Washington's defense is going to be, I don't want to say out for blood, but like Fetter said, they're going to want to get some some turnovers. And I think that's something that we we haven't seen yet. And we need to see if they're going to be able to do it. And they're out there for blood and they want to get some some of those turnovers. I think um, a big thing that that really is is a reason why they've struggled so much offensively is because of the youth of their their offensive line. I mean, right now, uh, their offensive line features a sophomore, a redshirt freshman, and uh, three juniors, uh, one of which I don't believe played last season. So, um, you know, it's it's not a great situation. One of those guys, uh, the redshirt freshman, is actually a guy from uh, Skyline High School, Matherick, Matt Sindrick, uh, who was the guy who who was opposite Henry Bainavalu over there. So, um you know, he was a guy that a lot of people liked, and I know Washington gave him a look. And so 
Um, you know, I, I think the youth of their offensive line is what's really going to hold their offense back, at least until they really gel. And and Chase Garbers is a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a he's a top end quarterback, but he's a good quarterback who can hurt you with his legs. But he's going to be more of a game manager. I think that's a better role for him is to be a game manager for them. And Scott, we Chris talked about you know with um, Cal with Chris Brown trying to wear that defense down of Cal Davis, which I think they were able to do. But you take a look at what Washington did last week. Are they going to be able to wear that defensive line down? Because what we saw was a lot of guys being rotated in along that defensive line. Well, it, it depends on if they're able to extend drives. That's really what it's going to be. And, and has Washington's offensive line or defensive line really been worn down in in quite a while? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Washington's defensive line be tired. Um, and and so I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that's going to have to be their goal is to try and grind the game down and slow it down. Like I, would, I, would, I would add to, Scott, I think if, if you do think that they want to try that attack, which is fine. I mean, when you're on the road, sometimes you've got to shorten the game down any way you can. One thing I would say to that, though, is that if you're 4 of 15 at home against UC Davis on third down, that's not a recipe for a ball control offense. It just doesn't, that's just not going to work because you're not, if you're not converting third downs, then you're, you're getting off the field and you're punting. So that's something that they're going to have to certainly get a lot more efficient at is converting those third downs, getting themselves in third and shorter type situations, which is one of the things that Washington actually did a very good job of against Eastern Washington. I did a quick little dive through the statistics. It was the first time since the UCLA game in 2017 that Washington did not have a third down of longer than nine yards, which I thought was pretty incredible. You would have thought with maybe some of the other kind of non-conference games like North Dakota last year, or maybe even like a Rutgers game a few years back, what have you, that they would have had a lot of third and short type situations, but they didn't. But Saturday, Jacob Eason was able to run that offense and get it to the point where they had some third and eights, third and nines, but that that's the longest third down that they had to deal with, and that's, that's ball control. That's how you keep the chains moving. And so I think, Cal, if they're going to try to, to, to shorten the game, like you say, that's certainly something that they're going to have to try to do. And Scott, there was, you know, some people were making a bigger deal out of it than I thought it was. And that was the Benning Patel. I always butcher his name, Benning. I'll just call him Benning. But Benning wasn't in the uh, starting lineup and he wasn't listed as a starter, but he was the Pac-12 defensive lineman of the week. Um he just looked so much better inside than he ever looked outside. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of us have been saying, that he should have his hand in the ground, but he didn't want to do that. And now I think he's bought into it. And one thing that Pete Kwiatkowski uh, told me was, you know, the guy's getting used to being blocked at different angles, and he's still not where he needs to be, but he's making progress, and they're really excited about what he can do as a pass rusher inside. And that's one thing, as good as Greg Gaines and Vita Vea have been, they weren't great at collapsing the pocket, and that's something where I don't think that uh, Benning is going to be able to collapse the pocket from sheer strength but he'll be able to get in get some penetration with his quickness and he and Levi Anzarike man those guys are great inside pass rushers I think Washington will get a lot more push on the quarterbacks from the middle and that will allow the edge guys to get more more pressure on the quarterback as well 
and I think that's key with getting that defensive line rotation in there. Not only do you have Benning who can, you know, uh, get by and get some pass rush, but Levi can do it as well. And then you add Josiah Bronson, Latuli, um, Tuli, Latoa, Gasanoa. I think that's right. And Sam Taimani and those two big freshmen are just totally different body types that they can put in there and really stuff the middle. They've got a nice rotation of those big guys inside. They, um, Pete Kwiatkowski actually said to me that they are, they have the bodies now that they can kind of go to more of that Jeff Choate hockey shift style that they like to do back in the day when Choate was the defensive line coach. And when you talk about having those five guys in the middle, because you've got Bronson, you've got Levi Onzerike, you've got Thule, you've got Taki Taimani, um, you've got Benning, and then also you you supplement those guys with three legitimate pairs of outside linebackers now that showed against Eastern Washington that they can get rush. Whether you're talking about the pairing of Ryan Bowman and Joe Tryon, you're talking about the pairing of Miles Rice with uh, Ariel Nagata, and then you're also talking about true freshman Leatu Latu with redshirt freshman Zion Tupuola Fatui. Though that's a ton of bodies in there. We just I just ripped off eleven names along the offensive front that now are all legitimate guys that can contribute. We weren't sure about those true freshmen and redshirt freshmen going in, but now they've shown at least through one game that they can be positive contributors. And I think that's obviously gonna help Washington a huge extent going forward, but especially against a Cal offensive line like you you laid out, Kim, on Saturday night. It's they're 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 a little uh, inexperienced. They have some new guys kind of fitting into some different roles, and I think Washington can take advantage of that. Well, when you have that kind of depth and those kind of rotations, where that really pays dividends, and when you've seen the really good Washington teams, where it really pays dividends, it's about halfway through the third quarter when you see other teams start to wear down and you start to pull away. And that's what I see in this game where I see Washington's depth and the uh, fresh legs going into the second half of the second um, of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, them being a lot fresher because they just have more depth than Cal. I don't see that as being any anywhere out of the realm of possibility. I think that's very much a possibility and something that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think Washington's depth is going to give them advantage in pretty much every game they play. Maybe not Oregon, maybe not Utah, but every other game they play, they're going to be deeper than the team that they play against, and they should be able to throw uh, you know, fresh legs in there on a regular basis. And one of the things last week we didn't talk about much, one of the you know pure freshmen that did play, first-year player, uh, and I thought did actually make a difference, Tim Horn, the kicker from Hawaii. He scrubbed his second kick, but uh, most of the time he was in the end zones. Did um, and, and that makes a huge difference when you're able to get it in the end zone. We haven't seen that for a while. Yeah, what was it, five of six uh, were touchbacks? Something like that, five of seven, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think it was five of seven. He uh, he did exactly what he was asked to do, and when he went out there, and it's I just find it so ironic that the guy that we didn't even think would play very much um, was the first was technically the first freshman to burn his red shirt, <laughs> you know, and uh, I I I think he's going to be the kickoff guy moving forward, um, and maybe they'll sneak him in for a for a field goal attempt here or there just to see it, what he can do, get it against a live rush from another team. 
And I encourage the fans to look at the kickoff return team because they've got a lot of starters out there. Like I said, you know, earlier this week, Chico McClatcher, Savan Ahmed uh, were out there. So take a look at that kickoff return team and they're putting their best players out there, regardless if they're starters or not. So I found that intriguing, uh, especially Savan. But we've seen that before. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know who you were asking. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I. I, I think that you'll see quite a few of the starters out there. And, and like you said, Kim, I mean, that's just something Chris Peterson wants his guys to do is know that, hey, you guys are going to play. If you're our best guy out there, then you're going to be the one that plays. I don't care if you're a starter or not. 7.30 kickoff night game enables us to get a few things done in the morning. But uh, Scott's a real big fan of the night game so he can deal with his kids in the morning. And uh, then he gets home at about 3 a.m. and Kids wake him up at 6 a.m. It's going to be a fun night for you, Scott. Yeah, it's a blast. It's great. <laughs> Anything else we need to cover in this preview for the Cal game at 7.30 on Saturday night? No, not a lot. Um, I There will be a few visitors. Sam Heward will definitely be there. I've heard that Savelle Smalls may be there as well. Um, Chase Gar- or, I'm sorry, Ethan Garbers will be in town. He'll be there to watch his brother, but he'll also be there to root on the Huskies. He told me he is definitely not going to be cheering for the Bears in that game. Um, there might be a few other. I know Malik Agbo, the, D- the O-lineman from uh, Beamer, uh, was planning to come up. Um, I've still got my, my, you know, ears and ears open for any other recruits coming in so as always before the game you me luke uh, uh some of our other interns will be down there take, taking a look and see seeing who we are able to see and and uh chris will get that up on the pregame thread Seven thirty kickoff at husky stadium washington versus cal keep it tuned in here uh, we will have the best post-game coverage of anybody out there one more time, if you're looking for those daily updates and breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, and we will get you hooked up. And for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>